Hey, today we're launching into a new series, and Pastor Rob asked campus pastors to launch us into this series. Uh, this is the last two series we've gotten to do the first week of. Maybe this will be a maybe this will be a new pattern. Who knows? But uh, excited to have the opportunity. Thanks to Pastor Rob for his leadership and for inviting us to do this today. Today uh, we're launching into a new series called Empower. And I'm really excited about this series because I believe that this is a series that I think can bring new, powerful, life-giving dynamics to our church. And I can already hear what you're thinking. You're thinking, you guys say that about all of your series. You're right. We do say it about all our series, and we believe it. I believe it because I believe all of our series, everything that we talk about, we preach, has its foundation in God's Word. And I believe that God's Word is alive. God's Word is active, right? God's Word is powerful, And I believe that when we bring our lives into alignment with God's word, when we apply God's word in our lives, it brings good life change for us. It brings good things. And so get ready to receive something from God today. All right. Praise God. This series is called Empower. If I were to give this first talk uh, a title for us here in Faribault for our Empower series, I would call it this. This changes everything. This changes everything. Would you pray with me? Lord, I thank you for your word. God, I thank you, Lord, for the power that's in your word. And God, I pray that today that the seed of your word would find good soil in our hearts. Holy Spirit, I pray that you'd point us to Jesus. I pray that you'd help us to see Jesus in a new way. And and Lord, help us as we open your word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. I want to tell you about a moment in my life that changed everything for me. Are you ready? It all started on a big, brown, 1970s model coach bus from the Bluebird Bus Company that we affectionately referred to as the Bluebird. How's that for the good start of a story? Is that good? That's so much better than like it was a dark and stormy night, right? No, I want want you to know I love that big old bus. That bus played a significant role in my spiritual life, and this was the very first time I climbed aboard this bus. It was the summer of 1988. I was 17 years old, and I was joining my best friend, uh, Nate, and a group of other teenagers from his youth group on a trip to an amusement park in Sandusky, Ohio, called Cedar Point. And I got to tell you this, if you like roller coasters... Cedar Point is the best amusement park on the planet for roller coasters. If you've never been there, you should. So we were on our way from Grand Rapids, Michigan to Sandusky, Ohio. It's about a four-hour drive. And uh, about three hours into the journey, just a little bit outside of Toledo, Ohio, all of a sudden, uh, from the engine compartment comes this just obnoxious, loud, horrible knocking sound, indicating, obviously, that something is wrong in the engine of this bus. And so we, the driver limped it into a service garage in Toledo, and there we sat. There were about 40 teenagers sitting in the hot summer sun, anticipating a day of thrills and chills at the amusement park, but instead were bored and sweating for the next four hours while, the bus, while another bus made its way to come pick us all up. Long story short, we finally made it to the park. We had about four and a half hours there is all. And, and then we made our way to where we were going to stay for the night, which was a, a church, church building in Sandusky, Ohio. And this is where the story gets good. That night, coming through Sandusky, northern Illinois, a storm front blew through. Tornadoes 
crazy torrential rains flooding in the area. It was, it was crazy. Next day, it rained all day long. So there goes all of the activities we had planned outdoors for that day. And so our youth pastor, his name was Jeff, pulled us all together in the auditorium of that church. It was an auditorium very much like this one, about this size. And he pulled us all together and he said, he began to talk to us about how God must have something else planned for us and that we're just going to take some time to worship and to pray. And so one of the guys that was there walked up to the piano. The piano was sitting right over here on the stage and just began to play and worship. And I'll tell you what, something happened in those moments. It's the first time I, I began to learn the principle of how you can experience something first in the natural and then in the spiritual because that storm front blew through with tornadoes and torrential rains and it was almost like for the next several hours there was a spiritual whirlwind that just swept into that that room that we were in there were students lifting their hands and worshiping god there were students on their face praying there were several students that had up around the altar area of the church that were repenting of sin and they were just seeking god and that's where i found myself after about an hour i found myself right in the center Looking up, there was a cross on the back wall. And I was there repenting for the sin in my life. And for the first time in my life, I really recognized Jesus' personal love for me. And I was in a, in a moment I'd never wanted God more in my life. And in those moments, I experienced something that changed my life forever. And it still impacts my life 31 years later. I'll never forget it. I can point to that moment at that altar. I can point to it and I say, that is the turning point in my life with Jesus. And I know this, you and I, we all come to points in our lives where it's like we're at a crossroads. We come to a place in our lives that kind of changes things for us. Maybe, maybe it's a crisis. Maybe it's a tragedy that rocks our world. I know many people have experienced maybe a loss or something that just marks us for life. Maybe it's an unexpected blessing. Maybe it's a gift we receive. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's graduation or marriage. Maybe it's the birth or the adoption of a child. Maybe a new job. Maybe it's an event that has a date tied to it like December 7th, 1941. September 11th, 2001. For me, it was Sandusky, Ohio, Cedar Point, 1988. It was a moment of spiritual awakening for me. It was almost like you could say, it was almost like I woke up for the first time spiritually. And I think we all have these kinds of moments of awakening in our lives. And when they happen, they become like markers. They become like a waypoint in our life that we can look back to years and years later and say, that was the moment that changed my life. I believe that there are days, there are some days that literally will change the rest of your life. And I think we all have those days. And so today, as we set up this series for the next few weeks, I want to look at that day that happened in the ancient church, in the early church, because the early church experienced one of those days. It was the day that the early followers of Jesus were changed from this small group of men and women who were locked behind closed doors, hiding, afraid for their future. It, it, it's a moment that turned them into bold, in-your-face declares of God's truth. 
It turned them into people who couldn't be silenced, into people who couldn't be stopped. It turned them into people who began a movement that literally changed the history of the world. And so what was it that so transformed these men and women? What was it that could take this ragtag band of followers who just a few days prior had fled into hiding, fearing for their lives, one of them even going so far as to deny that he even knew Jesus when he was confronted by a servant girl? What was it that that brought such a change? What happened that, that turned these men and women into people that the leaders of that time described as those who have turned the world upside down? What empowered the early church, it wasn't some new knowledge, it wasn't some new revelation, it wasn't some new strategy. What empowered the early church to turn the world upside down was the power of the Holy Spirit at work inside them and flowing through them. It was the work of the Holy Spirit, it was the the gift of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit experienced like they had never experienced it before. It was the Holy Spirit that had been prophesied in the Old Testament by Joel when God spoke through the prophet Joel in Joel chapter 2, saying, Then after doing all those things, I will pour out my Spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. In those days, I will pour out my Spirit, even on servants, men and women alike, and I will cause wonders in the heavens and on earth blood and fire and columns of smoke. The sun will become dark. The moon will turn to red, blood red before that great and terrible day of the Lord arrives. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so God is speaking through this prophet and he's declaring that there's going to come a time when God's spirit would be poured out, not just on certain people at certain times in certain places, but on everyone. That spirit would be poured out on men and women, on young and old, on everyone that was seeking. It was a promise. It was a future hope for God's people. It's the same event that was was echoed when John the Baptist prophesied, talking about Jesus in Matthew chapter 3, verse 11, when he said, I baptize with water those who repent of their sins and turn to God. But someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater that I'm not worthy even to be his slave and carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And John was declaring that Jesus was one day going to release and give this new expression of God's power from the Father to the world. And it's a power that they had never experienced before. Jesus himself predicted that this would happen when he instructed his disciples before he ascended into heaven to wait in Jerusalem for the promise of the Father. In Luke chapter 24, Then he, speaking of Jesus, opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said, yes, it was written long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. It was also written that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all the nations, beginning in Jerusalem. There is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. You are witnesses of all these things. And now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my father promised, but stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. Jesus said that when the Holy Spirit came, they would be filled with power. There would be a change. They would know it. And then in Acts chapter one, Luke, who wrote the book of Luke and the book of Acts, Luke 
echoes this in Luke chapter 1, verse 4. Once, when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then in verse 8, he tells them why, why this experience is so important and what the power was going to be used for. In Acts 1.8, he said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. This power has a purpose. The power of the Holy Spirit has a purpose. It was so Jesus' followers could make a lasting impact in the world by boldly proclaiming the good news of God's love for everybody. So Joel prophesied it. John prophesied it. Jesus predicted it. And it's exactly what happened on the day of Pentecost later in this series. The series is going to take us through the day of Pentecost. In a couple weeks, we're going to talk about what that day was. But as reported in the New Testament in Acts chapter 2, it was the day when everything changed for the followers of Jesus. See, the day of Pentecost was one of those days for the early church. It was the day that changed everything. And it didn't just change everything for them. It changed everything for everyone who's a follower of Jesus. It's a promise for everyone who knows Jesus as Lord and Savior. And that's why we titled this series, Empower. We believe that God wants to empower every single one of us to live out the mission, to live out our full potential that we have in him, but we can't do it without the power and the empowering of the Holy Spirit. The word empower, the definition is to give power, to give authority, to authorize, to enable or permit And God gave power to his followers through the Holy Spirit. He authorized them. He enabled them. He permitted them to speak and to demonstrate to the world the hope that we have in Jesus. And listen, I believe God wants to do that amazing things in our church even today. I believe God still wants to do that in our church, in our campus, right here in this place and in our city. I believe that God wants to do it in our families. I believe that God wants to do it in our lives. We don't apologize for being a spirit-filled church. We are a spirit-led, spirit-filled church full of passion and desire for God to move and for God to use us to fulfill his mission in the world. We desire the Holy Spirit. We want to lean into the working of the Holy Spirit. We want to be open to what God wants to do through the power of the Holy Spirit. We want to be curious We want to ask the question of God, Lord, what can you do through us if we have more of you in our lives? Now, I'm not talking about weird. (laughs) Some of us have maybe experienced weird. We've maybe seen weird. It's not what I'm talking about. And I get that sometimes when God moves through human vessels, sometimes our flesh doesn't always know how to respond. But I'm not looking for things that don't point to Jesus. And yes, there are some weird things that distract from Jesus. That's not God. If it's distracting from Jesus, that's not what the Holy Spirit wants to do. Because the Holy Spirit is always pointing us to Jesus. So I don't want weird. I don't want anything that distracts us from Jesus. What I do want is more of God. What I do want is more of Jesus. I want more of the Holy Spirit. I want more of his power working through me to bring people to Jesus. I want heaven to invade earth. I want lives to be changed. 
I want revival in his church. And that only happens when there's revival in our hearts first. I want to be led by the Holy Spirit. I desire that for myself, for my family. I desire that for you. But I recognize, church, that we are human and we like logical, predictable, linear. Let's be honest, we just like control. Right? We can be skeptical or afraid of anything that's outside of our comfort zone. And sometimes the work of the Holy Spirit is quite a ways outside of our understanding, isn't it? Sometimes the Spirit of God will stretch us, ask us to take steps of faith. But when I read my Bible, I recognize that we're instructed to yield our lives to the Holy Spirit, not to expect the Holy Spirit to yield to our lives. And he'll do that. The Holy Spirit will do that if we resist him. And I know sometimes people say, well, you don't have to be baptized in the Holy Spirit to go to heaven, right? I say, I guess, if that's all you're worried about. But I'm not just worried about getting to heaven. I want to take people with me. I'm not worried about just escaping hell. I want to live the potential that God has placed in my life to the fullest. I don't want to just get by. And to to go beyond just getting by, I need the power of the Holy Spirit at work in our life, in my life, and so do you. If you're going to reach all of the potential that God has for you. But we can grieve the Holy Spirit. We can resist the Holy Spirit. We can quench the fire of God in us with sin or with indifference. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 30 says, Do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Paul was encouraging the church, lean into the Holy Spirit. Don't try to just do it on your own strength. Yes, he's already identified you as his own, but don't grieve him by just staying there. When you think about the early church, the early church was totally dependent on the Holy Spirit, much more so than I think you and I are today. The early church faced massive persecution. It was life and death for them. They had no choice but to lean into the Holy Spirit. And I know there are places in the world where it's still like that today, but you know something? It's not like that here in our culture. There's nothing in our Western culture that comes close to the persecution that some people face. And it's interesting, the church, church growth in the New Testament, it didn't have anything to do with so much of what we do in church today. It didn't have anything to do with lights or buildings or ministries or curriculum. It was all the work of the Holy Spirit through his people. A.W. Tozer wrote, if the Holy Spirit was withdrawn from the church today, 95% of what we do would go on and no one would know the difference. If the Holy Spirit had been withdrawn from the New Testament church, 95% of what they did would stop and everybody would know the difference. (laughs) Kind of scary to think about, isn't it? But as you read through the book of Acts, you see all the incredible things that God was doing through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not hard to recognize. They were totally dependent on the Holy Spirit. They were dependent upon his power. Let's talk about that power because 
Power can mean a lot of different things to us. Power can mean authority. It can mean strength. It can mean ability, the capability or the potential to do something. And in the New Testament, there are actually two different words that are usually translated power. And the first one is a word, a Greek word, exousia. It's a word that we, it's a root word for the word we get, the word exertion. Right? We exert power. Exousia has to do with the power of authority. It's the same word that was used by Jesus after his resurrection when he told the disciples in Matthew 28, 18. And Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, All power and authority, exousia, had been given to him. But it's a different word in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Remember Acts chapter 1, 8 says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And that word that's translated power here is a word dunamis. Does that sound like another word? Dynamite? It's the root word where we get the word dynamite from. You might think in terms of, of just strength, but, but dunamis power is more than just strength alone. It's not just the boom, dynamite, strength. Dunamis has just as much to do with ability as it does with strength. You see, I think it's one thing to have the strength to do something, but it's something else, something greater to have the ability, to have the know-how combined with the strength, and that's what dunamis is. It's the power and the ability. Think of it this way. Um, power, real power, can be, can be used in at least two different ways. It can be unleashed, but it can also be harnessed. If I had 10 gallons of gasoline right here on this stage and I dropped a match into the container of gasoline, there would be an explosion. Shall we try it? I don't think that'd be a good idea in here. The power of that gasoline would be released explosively if we did that, right? That would be one half of dunamis. But if I were to take that same 10 gallons of gasoline and channel it through the 5.3 liter V8 engine of my Chevy Silverado in a controlled burn, that power, as it was released, would transport people and cargo hundreds and hundreds of miles. Explosions are spectacular, right? They're powerful. They can be used for good. But controlled burns can also have a, a very productive and a lasting effect. And I believe that the Holy Spirit works both ways. At Pentecost, he exploded on the scene. I mean, God's presence came in a powerful way. The Bible says there, were, there was a wind and there was tongues of fire. There were thousands that were affected by that one burst of Holy Spirit power. But God also works in power through the working of the church, through his people. The Holy Spirit's power is available for the long haul as well, through worship, fellowship, service. You and I were provided with ongoing, lasting, dunamis power from God. And so my question for you today as we wrap up this first talk in the series is this. Could there be a moment in this series maybe even today, that you could look back in 20 years and say, that was the moment that changed everything. Why not today? 
Why couldn't this be a day where we could look back on 20 years from now and say, God did something in my heart that day? Are you hungry for God to work in you? Are you hungry for God to work through you? I can tell you for me back at that altar in Sandusky, Ohio, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit that day. I was filled with God's Holy Spirit in a way that I had never experienced before, and it changed my life. I got to tell you, at the time, I didn't know what was happening to me. I didn't understand it. Nobody had explained to me what the baptism in the Holy Spirit was. I didn't know what that was. I grew up in a little Baptist church, and the only teaching the pastor did on the gifts of the Spirit was to say, those were for a different time. Let's move on. I didn't know what was going on. I had no idea what the baptism in the Holy Spirit was. All I knew is that my desire for more of God had lit a fire inside of me and there was a power that was at work inside of me and it has never gone out to this day. That fire continues to burn in my heart. It changed me. And I'm not the only one that was changed on that day. About half of those 40 students that were on that trip to Cedar Point that weekend, about half of them have gone into some sort of full-time Christian ministry. It's amazing when we look back on that day. It was a true move of God. (laughs) And I believe that that can happen here. I believe that can happen today. I believe that in this series, if we lean into the Holy Spirit, if we lean in to what God wants to do, God can do a work in us if we're hungry and we're thirsty for more of him, 1 Corinthians 14.1 says, follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit. Luke 11. Here's an invitation for you today. Luke 11, verse 9. So I say to you, ask and it will be given you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will you give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will you give him a scorpion? If then you, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Are you asking for the Holy Spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit was for the early church. Changed everything. The Holy Spirit was an essential part of my life. It, he changed everything. The Holy Spirit is for you. For each and every one of us. And we're going to talk about several things in this series going to talk about some of the symbols of the Holy Spirit in the Bible. We're going to talk about the difference between the infilling of the Holy Spirit when someone comes and surrenders their life to Christ and invites the Spirit of God into their life. We're going to talk about the difference between that and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But truly, my prayer is that more than anything else, that you and I, we will have a strong desire for more of the Holy Spirit to be at work in our lives. So may we all be actively asking, seeking, and knocking. May each one of us, may we all 
desire more of Jesus. May we all be filled to overflowing with the power of the Holy Spirit so that we can be his witnesses in Faribault, in Owatonna, Kenyon, in Medford, in Minnesota, in America, to the ends of the earth. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? God, I thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit. God, I thank you for what you did in my life. God, I thank you for the fire that you lit inside of me. I thank you, God, that it continues to burn to this day. God, I pray that we would be a church that is desiring more and more of the Holy Spirit, more of your power at work in our lives, more of you, God, to do the work and to help us accomplish what you've called us to do. Lord, we need you. We need you, God. Before we close today with our heads bowed and eyes closed, I just want to ask and give an opportunity. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, maybe you never have invited him into your heart, or maybe there was a time where you did, but you know in your heart right now that you're far from God. I want you to know God loves you today and God is calling you. And if that's you today and you say, yeah, today's the day I know I need to get right with God. I want to invite you to just in this moment with heads bowed and eyes closed to lift your hand so I know we can pray together. You don't have to wait for anybody else. Just lift your hand if that's you today. You say, yep, I know I'm not right with God. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Praise God. And the other hands to join those that have already gone up. Praise God. It's time to come home. It's time to get right with God. It's time to quit pretending. If there's any others, okay, praise God. Church, I want to invite you to pray this with me. Pray this together out loud. Nobody's praying this alone. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you today and I thank you for your love for me. And I confess to you that I have sinned. I've fallen short of your standard. I've tried to do it on my own and I'm not good enough. But today I ask you to forgive me and I invite you into my life. Today I choose you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.